Good morning, everyone. It's such a a blessing to be with you here this morning. Uh, In this season, it's a very easy one to feel kind of isolated and trapped in your own bubble. So it's done my heart very good to see with my own eyes and to hear with my own ears that the Lord has his people in this city who, like us at North Shore Baptist Church, are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And it's my honor to, to bring his word to you this morning. So, so let's ask for, for his help as we hear his word. Father, thank you that we can be here together. Thank you that you have preserved us through many trials and tribulations to bring us to this day, to give us hearts to lift up to you in worship and to praise your name. So Lord, as we hear the word this morning, Would you open our ears and our hearts to receive all that you have to give us, that we might walk in your way to the glory of your name. Amen. So the day that I got saved, I walked into a meeting with a Christian man who I knew was going to try to get me to believe in Jesus. And I began to think to myself, Well, I'll listen, but once he gets to the whole repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ thing, I'll just shake his hand and say, thanks, but no thanks. That's just not my thing. And as I was having that thought, another more powerful thought came in right behind it, so so clear that it was almost audible, that said, don't do that. Don't make up your mind to disbelieve him before you've heard anything that he has to say. Just listen. And so I did, and that day I heard the gospel for the first time with open ears, and I gave my life to Christ. What I did not recognize and could not have understood at that particular time was that the mental suggestion that ushered me into salvation had come into my mind from the Holy Spirit of God. And why am I so sure of that now? Well, that will be unfolded as we move through today's word. What I want to aid in equipping you with today, saints, is the ability to properly discern the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And the charge that I want to lay upon you today is to listen to those promptings that you discern to be from the Holy Spirit. Now understand that when I say listen to the promptings of the Spirit, I don't mean just to hear them and acknowledge them or to give them a fair amount of consideration, but to obey them when you recognize them. The Holy Spirit searches the mind of God. The Holy Spirit himself is God, the second person in the third person in the Blessed Trinity, along with the Father and the Son. As a result of the Holy Spirit being God himself, we ought to heed his promptings in obedience. The whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Now, I will grant that a prompting that you experience in your spirit is not exactly a scriptural command, 
And a prompting, by definition, is a persuasion, an encouragement, or a reminder to do something. And as we will shortly see from Scripture, the Holy Spirit has been given to those who have faith in Jesus for just that purpose, to persuade, encourage, and remind us according to the will of God. And I think that's something that most of us know theologically. But if you're anything like me, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is not something that you are constantly connected to in your conscious experience. And we're not alone in this. We see in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, that Paul has to remind the believers in Corinth of this fact. And he asked them the pointed question, do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have from God? And the reason why Paul had to give this reminder is that it had become an issue among the Corinthian church that the children of God were acting not so godly. They were divided against one another over their preference of preachers. They were filled with pride and partiality. They were, some felt free to fornicate, and others were actively engaged in adultery. And a part, a major part, of Paul's stance against such behavior is to remind the brethren that their bodies, indeed their whole selves, were not their own. They were bought with a price the precious blood of Christ, and the Holy Spirit of God thereby had taken up residence within them. If they were more conscious of this reality, they would certainly improve both their morale and their morality. And that is true for us today. The more that we are conscious of the Holy Spirit's presence within us, the more we will have an inexpressible joy in the presence of God with us, and conform our lives in accordance with that actuality. And so that is part of my desire today, that as we think through the activity of the Spirit within us and begin to identify his work in our subjective life experience, that we will more regularly rejoice in all the objective facts of his dwelling within us and his love for us, so that we would glorify God all the more. So as I encourage you to listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, I'm not talking about simply reading the Bible and doing what it says. Though you should do that. That is an objective reality, and that work of obedience to Scripture, as you read it, is also a work of the Holy Spirit. But I'm speaking today about experiences of the Spirit's leading that are subjective. Promptings from the Holy Spirit might come as a sense, a feeling, a conviction, a sudden urge to action. Now this subjectivity can leave you quite frustrated. Oftentimes, like when I was converted, you don't recognize an occurrence as a work of the Spirit until the move has already been made. And then you look back and you say, ah, oh, that, that was it. Right, but for us who ought to walk by the Spirit, we must approach the topic of discerning the movement of the Spirit for our daily living. If we don't attune ourselves to the Spirit, then we are liable to slip into the snares that are set for us 
by our enemy. This is an area where we have to train up and exercise a great degree of discernment because feelings, urges, senses, and even voices can come from corrupt sources. You can be driven by the desires of your flesh. Worldly wisdom can inspire you to action. You can receive evil impulses through demonic influence. So it's necessary for a Christian to be able to identify the promptings that come from the Spirit and obey them while simultaneously slaying the desires of the flesh, embracing enmity with the world, and striving against Satan and his devilish deeds. And this goes in line with Paul's exhortation to the Romans in chapter 12, where he says that we ought to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that by testing we may be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So how can you discern whether a prompting is from the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus' most extensive teaching about the Holy Spirit can be found in the Gospel of John, chapters 14 to 17. So as we try to get a more firm grip on the person and the work of the Spirit, that is the place where we will spend most of our time. And from these chapters, primarily, we can identify three very clear markers that will indicate whether or not a prompting is from the Holy Spirit. So a prompting from the Holy Spirit, one, goes along with God's word. Two, glorifies Jesus Christ. And three, grows you in holiness. So an impulse that you would receive from God's spirit would go along with God's word, would glorify Jesus Christ, and would grow you in holiness. So let's talk about the first marker. The Holy Spirit's promptings go along with God's word. I'll take up John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17. The Lord says to his disciples, I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Jesus here names the Holy Spirit of God as the Spirit of Truth. This one who is the Spirit of Truth is here for our help. He's our helper. And then in verse 26, the Lord says, The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Spirit teaches us, and the Spirit brings the Word of God to our minds. The Holy Spirit helps us by guiding us according to God's Word. And then in chapter 16, verse 13, the Lord says of the same Spirit, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. Objectively, the Holy Scriptures are our ultimate source for truth by divine revelation. The Holy Spirit is given to us to lead us and guide us under the umbrella of that truth. 
The Holy Spirit will never cause you to cross the boundaries that are set forth for us in scriptures because the Holy Spirit himself wrote the scriptures. The book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, it teaches us that the Spirit himself inspired the production of scripture so that the men who wrote spoke from God. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth, is never going to contradict himself. So this is the first way that you can test to see if a prompting is coming from the Holy Spirit. Does the urge that you have align with scripture? In my days as a personal trainer, I had a client who, after decades in a difficult marriage, decided that she was going to divorce her husband. Now they had radically different political leanings. Their communication left much to be desired. She had been a professing believer for many years, and he had no interest in the things of God. But there was no physical or emotional abuse that she could speak of. He had always provided abundantly for the family, and he had never committed adultery or infidelity of any kind. That is to say simply that there were no biblical grounds for divorce that I could see. But she made her desire for a divorce known to him, and he was crushed. He moved out, and in the midst of his mourning, he found the Lord, and he was born again. And he knew that I was a Christian, so he came to me for, for some counsel and some comfort and fellowship. Now, the change in this man's heart that, that I watched as he grew in the Lord was, was dramatic. It was amazing. And so later, when I had an opportunity to speak with his wife again, we talked about all these things. And she told me that despite the lack of biblical grounds for separation, and despite his apparent and very evident conversion, she felt like the Holy Spirit was still leading her to pursue divorce. And I could say to her with great confidence, no, what you are feeling is not coming from the Holy Spirit. The Lord's default for marriage is that no man should put asunder what God has joined together. And while scripture does give occasions under which divorce is morally permissible, she was not in any one of those conditions. So you can be certain that any inclinations that you receive from the Holy Spirit will find their source and their support in scripture. If you have an urge that is contrary to the word, you need to do all that you can to purge that thought from your mind. But when you find in yourself a strong suggestion to do what the Bible commands and commends, you need to listen to that. For that is the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So let's move on to the second marker. The promptings of God's Spirit will lead you to glorify Christ. John chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So we see that the function of the Spirit is to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ, to make him known. Then in chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus says very simply of the Spirit, He will 
glorify me. In 1 Corinthians 12, 3, Paul tells us that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So Jesus Christ is magnified when the Holy Spirit moves. Now the greatest glory of Jesus Christ is in his death on the cross for sinners and his subsequent resurrection to sit as king over all at the right hand of the Father. And there is no greater move of the Spirit than the one which instills belief in this truth about Jesus, creating new life in a heart that was dead in sin and imparts a living, saving faith to one who was otherwise condemned in their unbelief. So as you are here today, forgiven of sin, laying all your confidence on the gospel, receiving the love of God the Father, relishing the preaching of his word and rejoicing through song, as you delight in the name of Christ, you are in a major and significant way subjectively experiencing the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? We may delight in spiritual gifting and have desires to see wondrous works and great signs, but we must not despise or designate as common the greatest gift that we could possibly receive from the Spirit. Grace given faith in the only name by which men can be saved. So brothers and sisters, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God. You were bought with a price. And it is the Holy Spirit within you that is continually supplying to you all the benefits of that purchase, both objective and subjective. Do you rejoice in that today? Ah, well, well, all glory be to Christ. That is the work of the Spirit. His function is to bring glory to the Son. And then he will cause you to do the same. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. So what might he do within you to glorify the Lord? He might give you that nagging feeling in the midst of a conversation with an unbeliever that, that right now, this would be a good opportunity to share the gospel. You got to listen to that. You might receive a simple urge in the wonders of corporate worship just to raise your hands and shout out, thank you, Lord. That's from the Spirit. Listen to that. He could bring a gentle reminder to you to meditate on the tender mercies of your God in the midst of trying times of trial. You got to listen to that. And as you obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit, Christ is glorified. We'll move on to the third marker now, which is not separate from glorifying Christ, but actually another aspect of bringing him praise. The promptings of the Holy Spirit, if you listen, will grow you in holiness. John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus prays to the Father, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth praying for those that 
the Father had given him that he had called to himself. Father, sanctify them in your truth. We've already seen that the Holy Spirit himself is the spirit of truth, and thus our sanctification does not occur apart from the spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 to 18, we read this. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So as we look to the Lord through God's word and set our hearts on the glory of Christ, we are transformed incrementally to greater and greater degrees of Christ-likeness. This, too, is the work of the Holy Spirit. The promptings of the Holy Spirit will contribute to our sanctification. The Holy Spirit's desire is to work that in us which is good and pleasing to God. As I was preparing the original draft for this sermon, I had my own personal wrestling with the Spirit that I want to share with you as, as an example of, of how this could play out. So, as Justin said before, I was a personal trainer before I was called into the ministry, and so in my mind, regular exercise is an important aspect of the grateful stewardship of our bodies, as well as something that the Lord has given to us as a good gift to enjoy. Now, when COVID hit, I was no longer able to go to the gym, so I began to work out at home. I'm used to strength training. I'm used to lifting really heavy weights. So after a while, all the body weight exercise I was doing at home and the couple weights that I have felt like it just wasn't cutting it anymore. Now, the Lord had been very gracious to my family since we had come back to serve at North Shore, and we had some discretionary funds set away. So my wife agreed with me that it would be profitable to begin to set up our own home gym. And so I began to look around on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and Amazon trying to look for equipment that I could buy. And I came to realize that exercise equipment is not cheap. Weights are not cheap. I mean, it's going to like $2 a pound. If I get one 45-pound weight, that's $90. And I need a lot of those. <laughs> so, but, but we had available funds for what we needed. Things like a bar and some weight plates and this combo bench squat rack that I wanted to buy. And so as I began to look around, I'm preparing to make this purchase. An email from one of our missionary families comes through to the church. Uh, what they were looking for was, was an extra request for funds because they were building a Christian school in the midst of a village where there was really very little witness for Christ. And they needed some extra funds to complete this phase of the building, and then they were going to ask for some more funds to begin the next phase of the building. And so I thought in my mind, as I saw it, I said, okay, good, yeah, I'll shoot that to the missionary committee, and they'll take care of it, right? No problem. So over the next week or two, I began to have this constant anxious feeling in my stomach. And I wasn't sure where it was coming from. And every time I got ready to pray, rather than the glory of God, all that I could think of was how expensive my exercise equipment was going to be 
and of this great need that these missionaries had to build a school. It was like, it was like my line to God got disconnected. I get down, Father, the weights. <laughs> I couldn't pray. But, but I tried all kinds of ways to, like, pass off this feeling. I mean, like, I'm, I have freedom in Christ. I'm, I'm free to purchase exercise equipment. And I, I don't have to contribute to every need that comes across the board, do I? I'm not, I'm not God. You know, I can't help everybody. Right, maybe, maybe I'm just being anxious. Maybe I'm just feeling anxious because I've been drinking coffee again, and coffee always messes with my stomach, and I was eating some sugary foods. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just anxious because I just don't really want to spend the money. Right? I'm, I'm tight-fisted, and I don't even want to buy something that would be good for me. And I need to just let that go and, and just feel free to make this purchase of the weight set. Right? It'll, be, it'll be profitable for a strong body, right, and long willing, a Lord willing, a long and vigorous ministry among the saints. And all the while, as I'm having these discussions with myself, occasionally I would just get this poke. Hey, Keith, did you not just write a sermon about listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you really going to ignore me right now? But I, I wrestled with this for like two weeks. And what finally convicted me is that I wasn't willing to talk to anybody about it. I hadn't spoken to my wife about these feelings that I was having. I, haven't, I didn't speak to my fellow elders or anything like that. So I, I was made certain by that that I was definitely harboring some sin and, and, and hiding from the call of the Lord. So finally, I sat down with a brother that I was close to, and, and I laid all this out for him. I told him everything that I was feeling, everything that I was thinking, all that I was experiencing, and I was just like, brother, brother, I'm so conflicted. You know, I, I just, I'm having these feelings, but I don't know. I'm not sure whether this is actually a prompting from the Holy Spirit or, or whether I'm just a head case. And he looked me right in the eye. He said, brother, don't be conflicted. Don't be conflicted. You already know what you have to do. And he pointed me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He said, brother, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If, if the Lord knows that you need some weights, if he wants to give those to you, he can give them to you. But what you need to do is to seek first his kingdom. So after some further discussion and counseling and prayer, what we came to was that I would forego the squat rack bench combo, which would have been about half of what I would have spent and, and send that money over to our missionaries and support the Christian school. And, and the moment I sat down that night and pressed send on that online donation, I was just filled with this wave of wonderful relief and, and great joy. Like the Lord was able to bring me to a place where I was able to give very cheerfully where I was able to sacrifice something that I wanted for, for the good of the kingdom, for, for the pursuit of his glory, to support the saints. And so I was able to do that. And then prayer came back. I, I was able, once again, to be in the presence of the Lord and to enjoy him and speak to him freely because, because I, had, I had finally submitted myself to the prompting that he had placed upon me. And the Lord blessed me with a great contentment in the things that he allowed me to keep. He let me get some weights, 
with freedom, and it, was, and it was joyful. And I learned to be content with what I had rather than desiring all the extras that I had wanted. So it was like when Jacob wrestled with the Lord, he finally touched my hip socket, and, and I was out of joint. But it was for my good. It was for my good. Now the story doesn't end there because I had to go to the warehouse and I had to actually buy the weights and pick them up. And when I went there to make my final pickup, there were three young guys just hanging out in there. And I had seen them before when I had gone. This is the last time I was going to be there. And as I'm driving there, I'm thinking, hmm, yeah, this would be a good opportunity for me to share the word with them. These three guys, you know, all they're doing is working out, selling these weights. They're not believers. And this would be an excellent opportunity to share with them the gospel. And I got to the warehouse, and I went in, collected my weights, I paid the man, and I walked out. And then I got into the car, and I put my key in the ignition, started it up, and there came the poke. The Spirit, the Spirit had been encouraging me right, for months to increase my personal evangelism. He gave me an open opportunity that I was praying for, and, and I, forsake, I forsook it. And the Spirit hit me again. He said, like, really? Do you remember the sermon that you were preparing? Are you going to ignore me again? And I saw in my mind myself pulling out of the spot, turning around, and driving back home. I had all kinds of excuses, right? These guys don't really want to hear the gospel. My wife's at home cooking dinner. I got to hurry up and get there. But what I saw and what the Spirit brought to mind is that you would be just like Jonah, right? I've given you a call to go and preach the word, and you're not going to obey. Now, I don't think that you can get swallowed up by a big fish on a street in downtown Flushing, but, but I didn't want to find out what kind of discipline the Lord would have in store if, if I disobeyed this very distinct call. So I picked up my tracks that I had in the dashboard, and I went back in, and the Lord gave me this glorious opportunity to speak about the gospel of Christ with these young men for like 15 minutes, just all ears. And now none of them came to Christ in that very moment, but they know where my church is, they know who I am, they have my contact information, and I've just been praying for those guys. But again, when I walked out, I just had this joy in my heart that the Lord had constrained me to walk in the path of obedience and didn't allow me to go my own way. So the Spirit's strong influence in this very short interval of time in my life taught me much about generosity and sacrifice and evangelism and discerning his call. And my obedience was for my good, but all the glory goes to the Lord. If it wasn't for him, I would not have walked in the path of righteousness. I wouldn't have done those things that are his fruits. I would have done my own, which brings to mind the fact that apart from Jesus Christ, apart from him, we can do no real good. Apart from him, we can do nothing. But the Lord will call us, and the Lord will empower us by his spirit to do that which is pleasing to him. And those things often will not be something that you immediately feel comfortable doing. And you will have the opportunity to fight it. But what you will recognize is that that will hinder your fellowship with the Lord. 
And resisting the Spirit will revoke the gain that the Lord promises to give to you in your obedience. The Helper prompts us for the sake of our spiritual prosperity. God's Spirit will never promote sin or foolishness or folly. But where the Spirit pushes us is peace and everlasting life. So as he works in you, holy urges and holy desires, don't suppress them. Listen and obey them. And God will empower you to do everything that he commands. So there we have the three markers, the three major markers of a prompting that comes from the Holy Spirit. It goes along with scripture, it glorifies Christ, and it grows you in holiness. It is necessary for your spiritual life and health to be able to discern what promptings within you are from the Spirit and which are not. So while you remember those three markers, the book of Galatians chapter 5 can also serve as a good field guide to have in your mind as you consider the impulses that arise within you. Verse 16 and 17 say, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. In verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Any promptings that are not from the Spirit will be contrary to his character. When we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit in obedience, we bear the fruit that he produces. So incline your ear to listen closely and align your feet to walk with him. Now, if you are an unbeliever, you cannot do that. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ, he has not given his Holy Spirit to you. So all that you have to rely on for promptings is your own sinful flesh, the common mercy of human morality, and the designs of the devil who rules this wicked world. Apart from Christ, you lack the power to produce the enduring fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. You will not be able to work up in yourself the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In John chapter 16, verse 8 to 11, we read this of the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit can move at any time to make you realize that you have offended God 
by your sin. Without faith in Jesus Christ, you will face judgment and the punishment by the very one that you have rejected. Unbelief before God is unacceptable. Though Jesus has gone to the Father, he has left witnesses of his grace in the scripture and in his people. Hear them. Sin and death and Satan have all been judged by God, and they will meet their final destruction in the lake of fire when Jesus returns. And so will everyone who remains blinded by their own desires and thereby forsakes the Lord. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Spirit will live within you and give you new life. You will be saved. And then, by God's grace, the Holy Spirit will remind you to live in alignment with Scripture. He will encourage you to glorify your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he will drive you to the deeds that will help you grow in holiness. And so one thing that we ought to do, brothers and sisters, is pray that the Lord would give us a greater sensitivity to the moving of the Spirit. We also need to train ourselves up in that sensitivity, understanding the three qualities of the Spirit's moving, that they go along with Scripture, that they glorify Jesus Christ, that they grow you in holiness. And then when we discern those promptings that are from the Spirit, we need to move forward in obedience. The Spirit himself is life and peace. And as we walk in obedience to his promptings, I know and have experienced that we will have a joy that will encourage us to further obedience and increase our likelihood to react positively when he gives the next nudge. So I pray that the Lord would indeed fill us with his spirit in the knowledge of him and give us discernment for our good and for his glory. Father, thank you for your word that you give to us so clearly. Thank you for your spirit who you have given to us freely to lead us and to guide us. Lord, we can be a hard-hearted people. And Father, I pray that you would open our ears to the promptings of the Spirit, that we would have wisdom to discern when you are speaking to us internally, that we might follow and glorify you for the sake of your name and for the glory of God the Father. Amen.